0: Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Excellent. The title of my message today is The Rider on the White Horse. And I'd like to read Revelations 19, verse 11 through to verse 16. And as I read it, I want you to consider who is this talking about? I saw heaven standing open, And there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself." He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the wine presses of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So, it's not a trick question. Who is the rider on the white horse? Any guesses? Jesus. Now isn't it curious that we do not see the name Jesus in this passage of Scripture? Yet I would say unanimously we feel that it is Jesus. This is Jesus even though he is not named as such in these verses. And I think we need to understand that Jesus is no longer the baby in the manger, that we celebrate the incarnation. His birth around Christmas time, he's no longer the baby in the manger. There's nothing wrong with having a manger scene, a nativity scene in, in our worship times. Nothing wrong with that at all. He's no longer on the cross. And at Easter, we celebrate his, substitute, his, his, his death as our substitute on the cross. How he paid in full for our sin on the cross. He's no longer on the cross. I want to tell you that our Savior is risen, and He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. On this very weekend, I met a couple who are about to go to Montenegro. And last year, we had a couple who've been working in Montenegro for 15 years come and spend a night with us. Uh, Javika and Savka. I think I've got that right, eh, hey Jill? Javika and Savka. Well, close, anyway. John and I don't know what her name is, you know. But um, Javitska, Javitska. And he's a passionate man. He really is. He's labored in Montenegro for 15 years. And they have a church of around 15 people. Now, for me, those are the real heroes. People who are staying in their position... In obedience to the great commandment to go into all the world and preach the gospel, yet not seeing the fruit that we're seeing within our churches. And uh, he grew up in Serbia. And he said, as a young man growing up up in Serbia, he was aware of, of so many problems that he had in his life. But when he went to a traditional church, all he ever saw was Jesus in the manger as a baby or in Mary's arms as a baby, or Jesus nailed to the cross. And he said this, he said, I've got problems, but I don't have as many problems as that man on the cross. (laughs) He said, I feel weak, but I'm not as weak as a little baby. I'm a young man. And he said, how can this Jesus help me if he's just a baby in the manger, or he's nailed to the cross? But when he began to see who Jesus is now, and the Bible says he now ever liveth to make intercession for us at the right hand of the throne of God. He is our defense lawyer. Whenever the enemy tries to accuse us, Jesus says, no, paid in full. I've taken care of that. That same Jesus, when he was exposed to that Jesus, he realized, I need Him. He can help me. He is the potentate. He is the sovereign, the ruler with unlimited resources. In this passage, we see Jesus revealed by four names. Now we have to understand in scripture, names are important. Names in the Bible reveal the nature. The character and the authority of an individual. And in the Bible we see often God changed people's names. People's names were changed. Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. Jacob became Israel. Names were changed. And, uh, and we see that God reveals himself through many names in the scriptures. There are many names. O- often we would say there's 12 redemptive names of God, but there's actually many many names. For example, he's the friend of sinners. That's awesome. He's the friend of sinners. He's a uh, he is he's love. He's our father. There's so many things that our God reveals himself to us through his names. And in this passage, we see Jesus revealed through four names. And I'd like to take a little bit of time to look at each of these names and the implication that these names have in our lives. And for us today, as we've had a wonderful time of worship, to come and be involved in this divine exchange, giving Him our ashes and receiving His beauty, giving Him our spirit of heaviness and receiving a garment of praise, giving Him heaviness and Him giving us life. The first we're going to look at is the last listed in this passage. In verse 16 it says, On His robe and on His thigh He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Kind of like those tracksuits, aren't they? Have you seen those tracksuits? suits? Nike, Nike. Adidas. Adidas. Whatever it might be. Branding. King of kings. King of kings. Lord of lords. Lord of lords. Now, I heard about a man who saw somebody wearing a Team GB tracksuit. The only problem was, this man was as wide as he was tall. And he looked at him and he thought, no, nah, I don't think so. Not unless sumo wrestling or pie eating has become an Olympic sport. You see, often what happens is we wear a badge, but the badge doesn't actually show who we really are. And I want to say this. What Jesus is wearing shows who he really is. These were not ceremonial titles. He's not a ceremonial monarch. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Not always is the label true of the person inside the tracksuit. But in Jesus' case, the name on his robe and on his thigh is absolutely true. Now we need to understand this. For us, to experience Jesus as our Savior, we have to make Him Lord. The issue is not whether He's your Savior. The issue is, is He your Lord? And if He is your Lord, automatically you get the side benefit of salvation. See, the Bible says we've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Hey? There's, a, there's a transfer that takes place. And uh, I love the way the Bible describes it. At the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, the angels say, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. When we receive Him as Lord, we get the benefit of Savior. And many people want Him to be Savior. They want the benefits, but they don't want the Lordship. Now, we need to understand He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the Bible teaches us that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's be those who do that by choice. Here and now. And the benefits are out of this world. They really are. We receive Him as Savior. And salvation is something we can experience now. His peace, His joy, His purpose. But also into eternity we can experience the benefits of salvation. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 the Bible says if you confess your mouth that Jesus with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved now how many how many of us here today have done that in our lives we've said Jesus I want you to be my Lord my master my owner I want to give my life to you many of us and if you haven't done that Yet I want to encourage you to do that. Why waste any more time? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And you know what? You will experience what I experienced. I grew up as a young man aware that something was missing in my life. Billy Graham said, within every man is a God-shaped vacuum. I didn't get stung by a jellyfish and die. And I think that was a wonderful testimony last week, wasn't it? Awesome. To just see what God can do with a person and His grace and His mercy. But I was a young man, 15 years old. I was aware something was missing. And I was trying to fill that void with all sorts of things. And I didn't do too many bad things, but I was aware something was missing. And then, when I encountered Jesus, I heard the good news. I saw young people who were serving Him. I came into a place and I sensed His presence, like we have today. The love of God. Uh, expressed through his people, his presence in, in worship, hearing the good news of Jesus. I gave my life to him. I said, I'm giving you control of my life. I want you to be my Lord. And you know what happened? Three things. Number one, peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace with God and the peace of God. Number two, joy. Something on the inside, a joy gyro that just keeps popping up. If you ask me any day what's life like, I'll tell you the best is yet to come. You know, it's true. I wake up in the morning and I tell my wife, today is going to be a good day. And she knows I'm facing depression if I say, tomorrow is going to be a good day. <laughs> you see, we have to understand that God wants His joy to be our portion. And the third thing that I experienced is purpose. You know, we don't just work. To eat and eat to work. God has a purpose for us. And whatever your station in life is, God wants you to serve His purpose right there. The Bible does say that we should stay in the station to which we have been called. God has not called all of us to go as missionaries to India, some perhaps. God may have called you to stay and be part of the sending and the praying and the giving and the serving. God may have called you into medicine. He may have called you into law. He may have called you into business. Wherever God has placed you into education, let your light shine right there. Let him be the King of kings and the Lord of lords right there. The second name we see is in verse 13. In verse 13 it says, and his name is... The Word of God. Now this is an amazing one. It really is. Because we all straight away would say, yes. In John chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then you go down to verse 14 of John chapter 1, and it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the only son of, son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the Word made flesh. And what I love about this, as we begin to study this and we begin to look at what it says in John. It says in the beginning, John chapter 1, He's the Word made flesh. Then John chapter 5 and verse 39, this is what Jesus says. He says, you search the Scriptures... Because you think that in them you will have eternal life. But it's they that bear witness about me. Come to me that you may have life. It's telling us that if we want to know about Jesus, let's look in the Bible. He reveals himself through his word and his works. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, you want to see the Father? Look at me. I love that. He says, you want to see what the Father's like? Look at me. And he says, the words that I speak and the works that I do reveal the Father. If you want to see what God is like, read about Jesus. You know, a wonderful thing to do is to spend 21 days reading through the Gospel of John. They say that a habit is formed in 21 days. And, and I think it's a great thing to spend 21 days reading through the Gospel of John because he reveals himself to us as the Son of God. And you begin to see the wonderful things that he does. You begin to see his compassion and his love. Not the Hollywood Jesus. The real Jesus. Who's the same yesterday, today and forever. The one that we can follow and emulate and then at the end of Luke, after he has risen from the dead, walking on the Emmaus road, the disciples are dejected. And as they're walking, in verse 27 of Luke 24, Luke twenty-four twenty-seven, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, in the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. He's walking along and he's saying to them, they're saying, well, Jesus has died and we can't really figure this out and we don't know what's going on. Have you ever found yourself in a place where, where you, you just really don't know the way forward? You're unsure. And as, you, as you're walking along, he begins to speak to you and he starts to show you who he is. And it's incredible how from Genesis through to Revelations, Jesus is revealed. He is the Word of God. He is the Word made flesh. And then in verse 32, one of my favorite phrases in Scripture, they said to each other, after Jesus had departed, after they had broken bread and He had departed, they said to each other in verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? You see, I believe that in places where people do not have access to the Scriptures. He will sometimes speak to them in dreams and visions. He will even appear. But for us who have the Scriptures, we have the Word of God. We have the Scriptures, and as we read the Scriptures, He reveals Himself to us. This is a love letter from God. And as we spend time in His Word, He shows us who He is. And there's one thing that I've experienced. It's kind of like an addiction that I have now, to be honest. I need a fix to spend time in His Word. And there's something about spending time in His Word that it starts to burn in your heart. It starts to just become alive, like fire caught up in my bones, it says in Jeremiah 20 and verse 9. I cannot keep it in. Sometimes when I'm sharing God's Word, I feel like I, I want to start taking off, you know. It just feels great. Now, you know, normally in our church, we don't have a stage like this. I almost feel like I'm doing that at the moment. But it's just, uh, it's wonderful as you spend time in His Word. Number three. In verse 13. Sorry, number three is verse 11. In verse 11. It says, whose rider, the rider on the white horse, is called faithful and true. Wow. Faithful, with a capital F, and true. When you are in trouble, you need a friend who is faithful and true. You know, I I had cancer three years ago, and bowel cancer. I no longer have a colon. I've only got a semicolon now. Okay? And, And for about eight months... I, I, had, uh, I had an ileostomy, which means they redirect your, your intestines out of your body. I had to wear a bag. Um, it was difficult. But I can say that I have a friend, my best friend, my wife, best human friend, stood with me and was faithful and true through that whole process. Amazing. But I have a friend who sticks closer than a brother, closer than a wife, Who is he? His name is Jesus. There is a friend, the Bible says in Proverbs 18 verse 24, who sticks closer than a brother. And I want you to know that in difficult times, Jesus is with you. Now, I'll say it. Because since Thursday, praying about this weekend, I felt time and time again that the Lord's saying to Lighthouse Church, and I shared this with Greg, God is with you. Phrases, Emmanuel, God with us. The phrases like uh, in Psalm 23, verse 4, when he says, When you pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for I am with you. You are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. When you pass through situations, he says, I am with you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. In Matthew 28, verse 20, and in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I just want you to know that Jesus says he's with you. Just this last week, I saw something that really blessed me. There's a book in the Bible called Lamentations. I can't say it's one of my favorite books, uh, chap- books in the Bible. Okay? And uh, it's written by Jeremiah. A good idea to read it because when you go to heaven and you meet Jeremiah and he says, Did you read my book? You want to be able to say, Yes, Jeremiah, I read your book. Okay? But a lamentation, by definition, is a passionate expression of grief and sorrow. And Lamentations is five chapters. And in the middle, one, two, three, four, five. In chapter three, in the middle of chapter three, we see this verse: Lamentations chapter three, verse twenty-one to twenty-three. So, at the heart of this passionate expression of grief and sorrow, he says this in verse twenty-one: "But I call this to mind." You know, sometimes we're going to bring things to mind. And as I said yesterday, the word therefore is important in Scripture. It always points backwards. Or okay? forwards. It's, a, it's a, For this reason. The word if shows condition. The word but is a change of gear. A change of direction. And he says, he's got this lament going on. And then he says, but I call this to mind. And therefore, for this reason I have hope. Colon. Not semicolon colon colon. In other words, from this point, I, I, I didn't do well in school, but I know a colon means from this point, important. After this, important. Okay, is that right, Jill? Yeah, fresh point. Yeah. And then listen to this, one of my favorite verses. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. In the midst of the... Jesus is right there. The word I was thinking of was trouble. Okay, If you were thinking of something else, you need to come to the next couple of sessions which are going to be on renewing your mind and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, but you know... In the midst of the trouble, he says, he is faithful. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And this reminds me of the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, written by Thomas Chilsum in 1923. Let me, let me read a bit to you. Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not, thy compassions they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Let me read the next verse to you. I might as well sing it, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Summer and winter and springtime and harvest, sun, moon, and stars in their courses above, join with all nature in manifold wisdom to thy great faithfulness, mercy, and love. He's faithful. When we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today, and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine, worth ten thousand besides. Let's sing the chorus. Great is Thy faithfulness.
1: Great
0: is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, Thy provided great is thy faithfulness lord unto me God. awesome thank you jesus thank you jesus now i know I'm not you're not singing you're not clapping for my Wonderful singing skills. You know, if the donkey thought that all the Hosanna for the Son of David was for him, he was horribly mistaken. (laughs) Okay. He was just bringing Jesus in. And uh, we want to point towards him. He is faithful. Let me tell you, I try and be faithful as a pastor, but there are times I let people down. Unintentionally. And maybe you've been let down by church. Maybe you've been let down by people. You see, because our disappointment is the measurement between our expectation and what happens. The ideal and the real. But I want to tell you, there's one who remains faithful to us. Awesome. Great is His faithfulness. And the final way He reveals Himself is in verse 12. In verse 12 He says, He has a name written on Him That no one knows but he himself. is that awesome? There's so much more about Jesus for us all to experience. You might have been a follower of Christ for years. But there's more. And for years and years. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We'll continue to worship him for 10,000 years. We'll just be worshipping. We'll get caught up and it'll just be like, you look at your watch and you'll say, wow, look at that. 10,000 years have gone by. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. And we're just spending time in worshipping Him. He wants to reveal Himself to us through His Word in, in ways that we've never experienced before. There is more. There is more. We will not plumb the depths or scale the heights, even in eternity, of who Jesus is. Let me say this. The most important thing for us to know is this. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday, and I said... John describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. If he said, I'm the disciple who loved Jesus, the credit was to him. But, you know, honestly, for us, this is not because of our goodness or our grace. It's because of his great mercy, his faithfulness, and his love. Call Barthes, was likely the greatest theologian in the 20th century. He is best known as a prolific writer. His church dogmatics, it's got to do about theology, not dogs, okay? His church dogmatics took more than 30 years to complete and is more than 6 million words long. Late in his career, Barth was Visiting the United States and lecturing at the University of Chicago. The often repeated story is that he was asked a last question before leaving the podium. The question was, what is the most important insight to God that you have ever discovered? The aged bath paused only for a moment, smiled and answered, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet? I think uh, we should sing that hymn, just the chorus of that hymn, just once more. And as we do that today, I I believe that God's inviting us to bask in His presence and in His love. I believe that He's inviting us to come and receive of His steadfast love. Of His mercies that never come to an end. He's faithful to us. Today... If you've never received Jesus as Lord, then I encourage you, let's do that. Today, if you've been carrying a burden that you shouldn't be carrying, come and lay it down. And I'm going to sing just this once and then join me and then I'm going to hand over to someone who can actually sing and who will lead us. And I'd like to ask, is that all right, Greg, if the, those who, who today are part of the prayer team, come on up. And, uh, and just as we worship, we'll close the service in a, in a few moments. Um, but let's, let's respond to him. Let's respond to him. If today you want to come and and say, Jesus, I need healing, emotional healing, physical healing. Lord, I, I, I want direction. I, I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to surrender to you. Lord, Lord I'm, I've been worried and I want to swap the worry for, for faith and for peace. Uh, whatever it might be, let's respond to him. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is Thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed Thy hand has brought. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.